Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the whole cast. Jack Grimsey alongside Robert Lintot, as always. And, Robert, another win for Villa, this time 4-0 over Sunderland. I, we are never predicting another match again. Yeah, just Aston Villa might win. That's I think that's what we're going to go with from now on. Cause it's let's, let's get it working. out of the way right now, Jack. What's your prediction for the Swansea match? Uh, I don't know. I think Aston Villa might win. Yep, I think there is a non-zero chance that they take all three points. Yep, absolutely. There we go. Your predictions brought to you by 7,500 to hold. We hope you'll stay with us for the rest of the podcast. Hopefully you weren't just uh, holding out for the prediction, but... Lick. <laughs> I'm out. But, yeah, four goals in the first half. Yeah, and four... Like, at one point, the announcer called Villa marauding. And if you had said that a month ago, I would have just fallen off the couch laughing. Uh, but it was so true. They were, they weren't like four cheap goals. They weren't four goals that came against their own a play or anything like that. They were four goals that Villa absolutely should have had. Definitely, and I mean, we've I wrote about it today for my tactical preview. I was talking about how the whole year we've been saying Villa probably deserved more goals. They're really, really low shot conversion rate like 8% or something horrible, but of the in the first half, excluding the two block shots, Villa put six out of eight on target and four of those went in. Yeah, absolutely. And they should have had five if Scott Sinclair hadn't missed that sitter like Brown a day. Yeah, that was, that was one of them that was off target even. Yeah, I mean... Like Ken Tillman came up with a good save. Yeah, and that should have been a fifth. I mean, there, there's no doubt in my mind Villa should have gone in at halftime up 5-0. It's not like I'm upset about it. Well, what it would it would have been the second at the time, and everyone's like, "Oh God, Sinclair missed. We're really gonna regret that." <laughs> Turns out we aren't. Turns out Sunderland are terrible. Good God! I mean, it was it was a beat 'em down situation to to steal from Bamani Jones. It it really was. I I love Bo Jones, by the way, but they, I don't know. It was it was weird because although the the wins over West Brom maybe the first more than the second, were pretty comprehensive. This was just a total drubbing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so much so that the Sunderland fans started a rebellion. It was amazing. I mean, Yeah, I think that was was the funniest thing I've I've ever vined. That was my favorite thing to vine, even better than the Carlos Hill goal, was all of the fans just berating the Sunderland bench and having to be held back by stewards because maybe they would have even attacked... Yeah, at one point, a steward got pushed. Like, some some Sunderland fan tried to push the steward to get out of the way, and the steward was having none of it. But, I mean... No, luckily, luckily Sunderland had an ample amount of stewards. Yeah, exactly. And they were all around the dugout to save Gus Boyer and company. (laughs) They couldn't save his job, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sorry you got sacked, Gus. Aston Villa have sent you some flowers. It was our doing. So this season, Aston Villa have got two managers sacked. Then, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and and the the fans were streaming out with ten minutes left in the first half. I've never seen anything like that, except maybe at Newcastle. That seems like a Newcastle thing to do. Yeah, maybe it just you just do that in in the Northeast. I was just thinking that everyone says the Northeast have the best football fans around, and those are literally—that's the first time I've ever seen it. And Newcastle is the only place I could imagine it happening elsewhere. So, I don't think uh, you'd be considered a bad fan for leaving at three 0 down to Aston Villa within what 36 minutes. Yeah, I mean that's fair. It's—I I don't blame them, but oof. 
Uh, I've never seen anything like that, though. And it wasn't like, you know, a few people leaving. Half that stadium left. Yeah, yeah, but I am I was surprised it was as full as it was by the final whistle. I mean, I guess maybe if Villa had even managed one more in the second half, you know, more more people would have filed out of there, but... It's so funny because the second half was such a letdown after the first half. It was, it was. It, I mean, it was like... And yet, I still think that second half was one of the better halves of football that Villa have played this year. It was, and I mean, it's... They didn't manage any goals, but... I think they they really at least were controlling the play and didn't let Sunderland do anything, obviously. And Sunderland had a few glorious chances, but those came, I don't think, because of any true errors from Villa. I think it came from lapses in, in play because they were being conservative. They had a four-goal lead. I don't expect them to be going all out when they're up 4-0. Yeah, and you're, you're obviously going to be a bit complacent. You know, it's it's definitely out of hand. But, I mean, overall, Villa still almost 60% of the ball. Yeah, absolutely, and and it just, that first half, Gabby looks like a player renewed. Yeah, he looked like a man with a point to prove, and he has for the last three matches, which, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely, I mean, remember, we signed him on an extension, he's around for a while, if we can get good things out of him, it's worth it, and Benteke, too, looks like a man revived. Yeah, the, the penalty at West Brom, I think... Gave him a lot of confidence, or against West Brom, obviously, was at Villa Park, but gave him a lot of confidence, and then two two goals, and he was in uh, who scored's European Team of the Week. Yeah, absolutely. Got a 9.6 rating on there, which I feel like might have been a little bit high, but... Yeah, what, just because he didn't score in the second half, but... God, I 9.6, you've got to put in, like, 4 for me to get that. Well, uh, Bakuna, Bakuna, I think, had an 8-7 for the two assists. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that really strikes me about this is none of the goals were like those breathtaking individual goals. They were all good team goals that were struck with so much power. There was no luck in any of those goals. No, no, exactly. Like the, I'm just thinking of what ben, Benteke's where Bakuna just put that ball in and his header went right past Pentilliman. Yeah, exactly. It's it's exactly what we should. Yeah, it's what we should have been seeing all year. And Bakuna getting a chance to actually play on that right side with Hutton out. You gotta wonder. Hutton has been great this year, but do you keep Bakuna in right now? Yeah, I don't think you can take him out. No, he's been playing great. His defense has been solid, and he's been doing everything that Hutton does in the attack, but he's been doing it better because he's a more skilled attacking player. Yeah, he. Uh, I was just looking at the the past combinations, and Bakuna to Nzogbia and Nzogbia to Bakuna were the two top combinations. Bakuna completed 20 passes to Nzogbia and Nzogbia 18 to Bakuna, so obviously and, they're linking up really well And they're doing those side. overlapping runs on the right side with real precision, which I wouldn't expect from either player. It, yeah, I mean, it looks like they've been playing together for a while. Yeah, absolutely, down in the reserves. Maybe, yeah, I was, I was going to say, maybe in the reserves, but... Uh, Bakuna actually completed 11 passes to Benteke as well, which I I didn't really um, I guess I didn't really notice that that many during the match. Is Hutton's defensive strength worth swapping out for Bakuna's play? I I think it, I think it could be in select matches, and yeah. I, I think so. Defending a lead, if you're defending a one goal lead. 
70 minutes. So, I mean, Hutton's always going to be a risk for a red, so... <laughs> but, but it'll be an entertaining red, always. Yeah, but, I mean, if, if you're going to put him on and maybe push Bakuna up, maybe you take Inzagbi off, you put on Sanchez, you push Bakuna, and then uh, you have Hutton come in as well. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe against, say, like Manchester United or Tottenham, uh, Hutton is the better choice, because those are matches where I think you're looking to limit the damage. Uh, but against a Swansea or a QPR, I feel like Bakuna is the choice. They're not good teams, and you can attack them, and Bakuna gives you that that ability. Or even Liverpool in the Cup, say we get them, you're going to need someone who can create something, and it's mm -hmm. not like Bakuna's an atrocious defender. No, he is. At least, at least he has the pace to, to get back. Yeah. Um, it's... It's a cool dilemma to have. And the way Matthew Lowton's been playing lately, I mean, we have potentially three right-backs. Yeah, are definitely. All and worse, I mean, with with the center-back dilemma we've been having, I guess we'll spoil the news that it looks like Vlar isn't going to be fit for Swansea. But um, if, if Lowton has to fill in at center-back, that's not the worst situation either, which we've seen him do in the past. More with three at the back, but... Yeah, he still he still could fit in an emergency, yeah. but he's been really solid on the left. Yeah, he has been, and he's I think he's been better than Sissoko and Richardson have been on the left. Yeah, it looks like he's a better a better combination of attack plus defense. Sissoko really really stout defender, mm -hmm. and it's more like more like that Hudden Bakuna comparison you were just making. Like if yeah, you need, if you need someone like that, and I mean. Sissoko just can't complete a cross. And yeah, even Lowton's left foot looks more likely to complete a cross than Sissoko's. Exactly. Lowton has shown a lot going up. And, and, and getting, and, I mean, that penalty he won against West Brom is just massive. It's really, it really turned the season around. Exactly. And, and, and like we talked about last week, as much as you can say there's luck there, that penalty only happens if Lowton is in the box attacking, which I don't think you would ever see from Sissoko. Exactly. Even if he was hesitating more and say we only want a free kick or something, well, we're screwed because that wasn't going to go in. Yeah, exactly. It's um, I, I think we're in a good position right now with the back line, which sounds really weird given all the injuries we have, but once we start seeing people get healthy again, there's a lot of options there, and they're all good. Yeah, and it's, it's even more encouraging looking to next season just seeing the chemistry that Clark and Akora have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... A couple years ago, some people were saying Clark next Villa captain. Yeah, yeah, but he was also playing left back and also defensive midfield at that point and I mean, kind of just filling in. But now he's really, really starting to show that he could be the next captain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a competition there between him and Delph. Yeah, um, but I mean, either way, I think I think if even if Delph's, Delph has the armband and Clark vice captain mm -hmm. to the future, I think think the defense is in good hands. Yeah, absolutely. And what I've really liked about Clark is he's been he's been that rock, that anchor in the defensive line that we saw Vlarby last year. Right? And Vlarby at the beginning of this year. He's taken over that leadership role in the back four. And Clark goes in with some stiff challenges, but he never really looks like he's out of control. No, he's uh, yeah, that's the astonishing thing. He's got speed on him, just little bursts. I don't think he's a stamina guy, but he's got little bursts of speed, and he will pop up and make a hard tackle that is perfect. Yeah, like every time. Luster, he floored Schlupp. Mm -hmm. He got the ball, and I mean... Yeah, absolutely. It, it, 
I like what I see out of him, and I, I like the fact that he's working well with Akora. Um, I'd like to see Baker get a little chance. I a little part of me, as much as I love Akora, would like to see a Clark Baker pairing, because remember, three years ago we sort of thought they were the future. And I don't know, Baker Baker's pretty good in the air. Yeah, absolutely. So long as, as much as he has the tendency head. to pick up head injuries, <laughs> he's he really attacks the ball, and I guess that's one thing we haven't really seen so much from Akora. But yeah. Absolutely, and and remember, Akora is what twenty three, I think. No, twenty four. Younger than that. Is he younger than that? I, he's younger than I am. He's still a baby. I mean, the fact that he looks as good as he does at twenty two. My apologies. 22. Yeah, he's he's twenty two. And and compared to the man we debuted, that's positively ancient. <laughs> Six years older than Russian, uh, Hepburn. Hepburn Murphy, yeah, RHM, I guess. I, I think I said on Twitter because someone's like, we, we need a nickname for him, and we do, and I guess RHM, that, that'll fill in for now. Uh, yeah. I don't know how much we're going to see of him, and we obviously only saw him because it was 4-0. I think if we, like I wrote, I think if we really need a forward, I think it's going to be Vyman, and yeah. I think just, just due to the injuries, but I don't know. We, we have a, we'll get to it in a bit, but we have a three... Uh, matches in a week coming up, so I mean, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. He looked good. I mean, he he didn't have a chance to do much, but he didn't look too out of his depth, which no, he he. Um, I think once when we lost the ball, he was pressing the back line and kind of had a block on a clearance, which that was. I think that was good to see. Yeah, absolutely. He drew a foul. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's a regular Jack Grealish. Yeah, basically. I mean, that that's that's got to be a heartbreaker for Grealish. He could have came on in this, like, maybe he would have started, maybe not. But if not, he probably would have came on in the second and maybe could have scored at least one. Yeah, that's maybe true. Another, like, that would have been a, a perfect match. Took his rage out against West Brom on Monday, though, in that that's U21 true. match. Yeah, we had a really strong U21 lineup going. <laughs> Just seems cruel. To, to but, throw, what was it, Grealish, Hill, and Sanchez? In the starting lineup of a U21 match. Well, I mean, Grealish is U21. Well, yeah, but <laughs> at this point, yeah, it just seems a little overkill, which I love. Well, I mean, it's not like United playing Falcao in the U21 match and he didn't even do anything. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> God. Uh, but yeah, that Sunderland match was incredible. The second half, like we said, eh, little, but we don't care. We kept the clean sheet. It was a let-off of a half. Yeah, yeah, keeping and... keeping the clean sheet, that was what was important for me. Yeah, absolutely. It bumped our goal differential from one of the worst in the league to now fourth best, fifth best, somewhere in there? Fifth, or fifth, fifth no, worst. Yeah. It's yeah. not, we're, we're not still fifth best anymore. Not we like scored 27. <laughs> but, um, it was yeah, down, down or up, I guess. I, I saw you kind of had the same conundrum, I guess, down or up the other day, but flipped down to uh, just minus 19, flipped it with Sunderland there at minus 20 now, and hopped them in the table. So now we're 16th with 28 points, and Sunderland 17th with 26 points, and really Burnley on their heels after beating Man City on Sunday. Yeah, and a hell of a win from them. Yeah, I don't know if you if you watched it, but, I mean, they, they only had 30% of the ball, but... Man City weren't doing anything. It was like old Villa under Lambert when they, they wouldn't get into the box or do anything. And Burnley had, had one great chance. They took it, and credit to them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it was incredible. I couldn't believe they had beaten them. I, I stepped out. I had been watching it a little bit, then I had to go uh, and walked into a store, and they had it on the screen, and it was just as Burnley were walking off winning. I'm like, are you kidding me? That actually happened? Yeah, I think <laughs> Man City gonna going to hate themselves after... Maybe they could have made up two points on Chelsea, but yeah, absolutely. Chelsea I think it's, have it's been over for a while. Chelsea have the six-point lead with a match in hand, so they could have a nine-point lead when all things are you know even. Yeah, and no, it looks it looks like Arsenal are even gonna jump City. I think at this point, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, heck, United could jump City at this point. Yeah. So, but speaking speaking about teams who have a lot of players in the England setup now, Fabian Delph has been called up today for the latest England squad. Going to have an international break coming up soon. So, nice to see him back in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I thought maybe when he had that injury and was and was out for a while, it might derail him. But the fact that he's looked good since he's come back, and there haven't been any international breaks mean that, you know, he sort of skips that little period where he didn't look so good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of brushed under the rug, really. His his goal against West Brom probably helped him get there. Yeah, and he, I, I think he had a, a good match against Sunderland as well. Yeah, absolutely. He's been, he's been exactly what we wanted from him, which is that sort of creative leading dynamo right in the middle there. And he's exactly what Sherwood wants in midfield with just a, kind of a box-to-box guy. Sherwood yeah. doesn't really go for um, really deep lying or defensive midfielders so yeah. much, but in yeah, in the four four two, a really perfect fit. Exactly, he's he's been looking much better lately. I mean, everyone has been looking better under uh, Sherwood, but it's players like Delph who we knew should have been really good players that it's it's refreshing to see that. Yeah, yeah, and and it's good to see him in the England setup, especially when. Players like uh, Andrews Townsend kind of just making it in on a big club basis just because of who they play for. Yeah, exactly. And, um, a little part of me, a little bit of a backward speculation. Can you imagine if we hadn't gotten rid of James Milner, a midfield pair of Milner and Delph? Yeah, that, that would be amazing. But <laughs> I don't know, Milner, yesterday Milner got wrecked by Messi, which not really saying a lot, but... Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Pretty sure... 99% of the world gets wrecked by Messi. At least. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was not a good showing. But, but, so, anyways, we're happy for Delph. Hope he can do well for England and better not injure himself, more importantly. But um, I'm going to move move on to Twitter questions. Got one from Jamie Cutteridge asking, how do you think our squad will cope with the extra demands of the Champions League next season? <laughs> Which, my favorite tweet I've seen in quite a while. I instantly favorited that one. Yeah, uh, I again, in the, the tactical post I'd written for today, I was kind of talking about how the squad depth that we seem to be developing is it's really encouraging. Like, and in defense, say, say everyone was healthy, if you had to go with a pairing of Baker and Vlar, which would really be second choice right now, that's not terrible. No, absolutely And then not. look at who's getting left out. Ashley Westwood, Carlos Sanchez, and Carlos Heel, and then even behind Sinclair at that left-wing spot is Jack Grealish. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a lot of depth there. And as much as Jamie's question is a joke, because there's no way we get into chance, I think it's mathematically impossible for us to get into Yeah, I think so. 
there is the actual question of two more wins and we're going to have Europa League play next year. That's true, because... If we win what? the FA Cup. Isn't it... Don't they still have... Um, haven't they not changed the rule that if you lose the competition, if you're Wait, the runner-up to someone who makes Europe, then you still get a spot? Everyone seems to think that that's gone, but I have yet to find proof of it. I'm working under the assumption that it's gone. So I think it has to be win the FA Cup. Okay, so even even still, two wins away and... Yeah, so so Jamie is joking about Champions League, but we actually do have the squad depth, I think, for a European run. I think... I don't want to see us make a deep European run because I think that would take away from the league and sort of hurt some of our progress, but maybe make the group stages of Europa. Uh, yeah, and if go you, out I don't there. know, if you get out of the group, just get out of the group. Really. I, I'm okay just getting to the group. Um, I mean, hell, if we get there, I'm okay because it means we lifted the FA Cup. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, that's that's more important, but I don't know. Maybe maybe this is a cup team. Yeah, this could be. Um I think we have the depth there, especially if we get a summer and everyone gets the chance to be healthy, although there's a good chance that Vlar leaves over the summer. We'd still have Sindros, we'd still have Baker. Sindros is a name I bet you haven't thought of lately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, then again, if maybe if we're playing in the Europa League, maybe Vlar wants to stay. Yeah, and we all know that Lieber Kozak made a name for himself in Europa League play. Yeah, that's where he, that's where he scored like all of his goals for Lazio. Freaking assassin in the Europa League. <laughs> the bandaged assassin. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, uh, you know, he's on pace to be back. It's sometime in April, it looks like. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I guess a lot of people don't like the Europa League because maybe you get to the, get a couple rounds into the knockout stages and you only make three million, but it hurts your league performance by maybe three or four places and you lose 15 million in revenue from that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I understand that, but I don't know. It's It's a good chance for... For more development, I guess if you if you have the squad. Yeah, it's the one time that playing in the Premier League actually hurts. You know, in leagues with less prize money at stake, a good Europa League run is beneficial. I I still think it's a good selling point to players from the continent because really only the English don't take it that seriously. I feel. Yep, agreed. Um, but then there's dangers too. I mean, and and it, you say you drop three or four places. Look at what's happened to Everton this year, with their focus on those midweek games and and how junk they look. Yeah, yeah, they've they've been atrocious at times in the in the Premier League, and I mean I don't think the Europa League can be fully blamed for that, but at the same time it's a contributing factor. Yeah, it's sure not helping. Um, Everton should have been top ten this year, I think. They're yeah, not without a, without a doubt. They're not a great team. I don't think they should have been challenging for Europe or anything, but they should not be where they are. Yeah, I mean probably eighth. Yeah, well, they've underachieved the degree that Aston Villa have underachieved, I think. Yeah, that yeah, that's a good comparison, I guess. Really. Um, next question, kind of kind of along these lines, from Adam Clark, one of our writers. Assuming we survive, what positions need upgrades to actually push on next season? And again, I think I think um, I don't know. Depends depends what happens with Cleverly. Mm -hmm. but another. And Sinclair. Yeah, yeah. It looks like Sinclair is going to stay, really, if I had to judge. But and he's he's intimated that he wants to stay. Yeah, another another central midfielder. Um. Yeah, it's. 
I really like this question because I think it's a smart question, and I think there's there's a lot that you could talk about. My problem is evaluating right now is so tough because we have four matches worth of Tim Sherwood telling us one thing and an entire season under Paul Lambert telling us another thing. And so I'm not really sure what to think of the players we have right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure either. I'm not sure how much is going to, that Lerner is going to want to spend in the summer. Mm-hmm. Is it, for it, instance, is Gabby the player that we saw all season, or is Gabby the player we've seen in the past two weeks? Yeah, exactly. Because if it's if it's this Gabby and it's, I mean, you got to assume Benteke is back to kind of what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, if it's this Gabby, I don't think we need to upgrade at striker. If it isn't this Gabby, if it's if it's a eh, kind of meh Gabby Agbonlahor, I think we do need to upgrade at striker. I think we need another attacking option. And again, it depends how Kozak looks, really. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but do we see Nicholas Hellenius come back over the summer? Has he worked out his issues, and do we see him come back and make anything of this time? I here? think all the all the players that got loaned out are going to get a chance to show what they can do because Sherwood hasn't seen them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there, there were quotes the other day from Joe Bennett saying he hasn't ruled out, because his contract is up, and he hasn't ruled out coming back to Villa now that there's a new manager around. And, yeah, why should he? Because, I don't know, maybe at, at left back depends. Like, earlier in the season, we had speculation of what if we could sell Sissoko. What if you sell Sissoko for more than you bought him for? Loton, who knows what you're going to do with him. Yeah, utility, utility man, really. But yeah. Bennett, uh, and Bennett, I don't know, people have mentioned him being able to play in midfield as well. Who yeah. knows? He could, uh, you know, maybe in a holding midfield role. You sort of yeah, like or on, on left, left midfield as maybe, I don't know, kind of being more like a winger, I guess. But After seeing him come in, I'm sort of intrigued to see if Sanchez could play central defense. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And I think, I think Sherwood's got that in the back of his mind in an emergency situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what it was the other day. I mean, not strictly an emergency because Clark didn't have to come out, but it was a, I want Clark out and I have literally no central defenders available. Yeah, so I'm not getting Clark suspended for Swansea. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but like, back to Hellenius, I think it's uh, Hellenius or Vyman for that fourth spot, and I think whoever loses that is going to get shipped out. Yeah, I could see that. And and I my guess is it's going to be Hellenius. I think so, obviously, as well. But I, re I really like the guy. I really had a lot of hope for him. But with, with the issues he had while he was here, um, you know, if it's not good mentally for him to come here, I don't care what it is, you know, from a sporting perspective. If it's not good for him to be here, don't make him come here. Let him stay at AAB. Yeah. Uh, you know, let him, let him do what he needs. We don't need him desperately enough to screw over his mind. To ruin his life. Yeah, exactly. And that's what was happening here. And... I'd love to see him come back. I think he has a lot of potential. Um, I think he could be useful, but, you know, that's that's way down the line sort of a thing. I, I don't know if it's worth planning for that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think some players like Luna will probably be gone. Mm -hmm. Which I'm okay but, with. Yeah, um, whatever. Actually, now that I've said it, that, you know, if we have good Gabby, we don't really need to upgrade at striker, I take that back. We could probably use another striker. Yeah. I mean, uh, especially if we're going to be playing a 4-4-2. Because you've got Gabby and Benteke, and then Kozak will be full strength next year, hopefully. And who? Do we trust Vyman, Vyman there? Do we? I think we need someone else. 
Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It, it kind of depends for that that fourth striker spot, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I that's what I'm thinking. Uh, I would actually be really interested, Adam, since you asked the question, you'll probably be listening. I'd be interested to know who you think uh, we ought to upgrade. Yeah, and if if you, even if you want to write something on it. Yes, please do. <laughs> that, that was a not so subtle hint hint. Yeah. Uh, because. Uh, if you haven't been reading, Adam has putting, been putting together some really good tactical overviews uh, after yeah, the post-match. Match, yeah, Yeah, and he's been he's had an eye for stuff that I tend to miss a lot. I'll admit, one of the reasons I brought Adam aboard was because he had this tactical eye that I just don't have. I haven't developed it yet. I don't see a lot of this, and he's been getting a lot of it. And his, his post-match stuff has been absolutely worth your time. Yeah, definitely. That's I think that sums it up. Um... Next one was from at Ina Garden Flex Luther asking, "When can we expect someone stupidly rich like Warren Buffett or Carlos Slim to buy a footy club?" Do you think and it happens over the summer? I don't. I think it's just a footy club, not. Oh. Like someone, just someone stupidly rich, like like one of the richest people in the world, like richer than Abramovich level. I don't think Warren Buffett ever would because it, he can't make that much money. Maybe he could yeah. in in the U.S. But. If he bought an American football club? Yeah, yeah. If I mean if if you want if you want to make a bunch of money safely, I don't think soccer's the way to do it. No, absolutely not. Uh and Randy Lerner proved that. Yeah. I mean um, I don't know if Lerner was trying to do it the safe way because he could have brought in someone like Lambert from the start and just played a safe and banked the T V money, but I think yeah. I think you could you could make a profit that way, but I'm not um, sure we see anyone super filthy rich by a club right now because it strikes me as, despite all their flaws, that Aston Villa are kind of the thing that a super filthy rich person might go for. Like, not expensive enough to put a real dent in their budget, but long enough history, enough potential there that they could become a signature plaything for a super... Yeah, like, fa- fairly well-respected. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and if you're super filthy rich... It wouldn't be too hard to get Villa to a point where you can, you can't throw the money in because of financial fair play. But it wouldn't be too hard to get them to the point where you can start pumping money into them, a la Chelsea or someone like that. And I feel like you know a filthy rich person could have Villa in the top six in five years, like regularly in the top six within five years. Yeah, because the thing is, why you can't pump all that money in with financial fair play, things you could do would be, like, expand the stadium because if if you were getting Villa to challenge for that top six, and then obviously the goal would be to push on for the Champions League, uh, if you could expand Villa Park to, what, to 50,000 with, uh, because they have expansion plans to, that they could do that, if you could yeah. start getting that many butts in the seats, eventually you're going to be able to start uh, doing that, and I mean... Get, just getting a better sponsorship deal, obviously not like the what PSG have getting 200 million a year, but you you think you'd be able to find a better shirt sponsor or some some way to do the money almost legally, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the plans are in place to take that north stand and make it uh, add essentially 7,500 seats, uh, and you do that, and suddenly you're you're really upping your your limit on financial fair play. But I think this is one of those proofs due to absence because teams like Aston Villa are for sale and none of the super filthy rich people are buying. Um, 
And so I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. No, and that's I think that's just because of I don't know I don't know the the new TV deal you you think maybe maybe they think they won't lose a ton of money in it. Yeah, that could something. be. And it also could be a stupidly rich person uh, could be waiting for a United or a Chelsea to come up for sale. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, maybe there's the part or of even, that doesn't even Newcastle, want, maybe they're hoping... That doesn't want to spend five years making a club good. Maybe there's the part of them that just wants to buy the club, pump some money in, and have a world champion within a couple of years. Yeah, like, or Southampton, who's closer. Yeah, that could you know, be. Or, or even Everton... At, yeah. I mean, at this point, but like, maybe they want a club with global recognition, and and Villa are decently well known, but they're they're certainly not a globally recognized club. I get weird looks when I walk around in my Villa kit. No, they're not. They're not a brand really like. I mean, even like what um, you're seeing with now AC Milan maybe being up for sale, like not even close to that level. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about our questions from 1874 FC? Yeah, Mark Bannister, he had said last week, what is the animal that looks most like Mark Lawrenson? And this week he sent us, by the way, this is the animal, and it's Sid from Ice Age. <laughs> so that that's a pretty striking fit there, actually. <laughs> Uh, but I love his question this week. What former player would you love to bring back in a time machine to play for us again? And he said Paul McGrath, by the way, which no one's going to argue with that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, after what I said earlier, a little part of me almost kind of wants James Milner, because he's still good. You don't have yeah. to imagine what it would be like. Yeah, to just have vintage Milner. Yeah, uh, yeah, have him back in playing alongside Delph. Uh, but who did you end up thinking? I ended up uh, picking Peter McParland, who played for Aston Villa from 1952 to 1962, scored, of course, in the FA Cup final in 1957 against Man United in that final, um, but actually also maybe more notably shoulder-charging Manchester United's goalie and busting his jaw or his cheekbone, breaking his cheekbone, obviously giving him a concussion as well, knocking him out, but substitutes weren't allowed back then and I mean Villa Villa went on to win 2-0 and also uh, McParland was on the score sheet in 1961 in the FA Cup final when or excuse me the League Cup final was the inaugural League Cup and actually the final was over two legs the first leg Villa lost 2-0 at Rotherham United but won the second leg 3-0 at Villa Park yeah I, I would not mind seeing him back someone with that sort of energy and anger in him uh, my pick was Dwight York. I think we could use the goals. I think we could use that that skill uh, in transition there. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him back, and I don't think he's so far removed that he, his game would have aged too much. I think he could just drop in and play pretty well if he were in his prime. No, exactly. Like McParland, I think he is a little too physical now for <laughs> his style was. I mean, at 80 years old, maybe he's not as physical now, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nope, still but, out there punching assholes. But, uh, shoulder charge to the face. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, like you're saying with with York, his playing style would translate more to to the game that we see today. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. interesting that we both pick strikers, though. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. I I guess 
I guess that speaks to this year, because despite the past couple of matches, if there's one thing we need this year, it's goals. Yeah, but also um, maybe assists. Maybe if we're we're looking back, like you're saying, Milner, maybe bringing back someone like Ashley Young who could really be more of a provider. Yeah. Or because that's, it seems like that's what Benteke is really needed. Obviously, above all, is service. Stuart Downing in his one good season with Villa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if, if it was that season, if he was going to play like that all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a, yeah. There's there's a few good options out there. I I really like that question. We got a lot of good questions this week. I've been enjoying them. Yeah. So, uh, thanks everyone for your questions. We'll try to get them every week, I guess. But uh, yeah. Um, next up, we we've had a competition. Not really a competition on on the site, but more of a a contest, I guess rather. Yeah. And. Uh, Art of Football made this design of Fabian Delph. Maybe you've seen it, maybe maybe not. If not, check out the site. Um, scoring his goal against West Brom and from the FA Cup. And so it's on a T-shirt, and um, they were in contact with Robert, and they want to give one away to one of our readers. So really all you have to do is comment your favorite Villa memory, memory of all time, and Robert's going to have a drawing, and someone's going to win the shirt. Yeah, absolutely. There, it will be a random drawing. Uh, you don't have to write eloquently or anything. Just stop by and tell us your favorite Villa memory. Um, Art of Football just thought that maybe we could do a simple question or something, and while I liked that idea, I thought it was a great chance to actually get to hear from people. What are your favorite Villa memories? Um, I, I love one right now of a guy sneaking in under the turnstiles back in the 1970s is a great story. And even if you don't want to drop a comment in or anything, just stop by and read that story because it's a really neat story of, you know, the dark ages of football. Yeah, from from David Rose. Yeah, it's, it's worth your read. Uh, and there's some good stuff in there. Um, so, yeah, stop by. Win a free T-shirt. Uh, the worst that can happen is you get to relive your favorite Villa memory, and the best is you get to do that and win a T-shirt. That's not a bad deal. Yeah, yeah. So, and you can give uh, at art underscore of underscore football on Twitter. Follow. They have some pretty cool other designs as well. Yeah, they do. There's some really cool villa stuff there. I kind of want a print of a couple of their things to put on my wall. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Um, next, next order of business, I guess, is that QPR match being rescheduled. So, or rescheduled, I should say. But. <laughs> um, that it's gonna it's gonna make for kind of a, a hellish week, I guess. Yeah, because we've got United and Spurs already, which was a tough week to begin with, uh, and now in between we get to sandwich QPR, which is not a tough match. It's a match we should win. It's QPR away, or it's home for us, away for them. Yeah, um, and QPR have what one draw away yeah. all season, the rest losses. Yeah, if you can't beat QPR when they're not at home, um, you might be a dead puppy. Oh, that's sad. I take that back. <laughs> it's, it's a must-win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's a match that you you have to win. Um, it's a nice six-pointer. It keeps QPR down in the mucky muck. Uh, it gives us three points to get us closer to safety. It's a must-win, and now it kind of sucks because it's sandwiched in between two matches that are probably not going to see us get anything, but will probably take a lot out of the players. Yeah, and I think I think as especially that um, that first one against 
United it's going to be Saturday, then Tuesday, then Saturday. So uh, I think I think really you have to make the QPR match the priority. Yeah, absolutely. If there is one silver lining to this, I think it's the fact that uh, actually I think there's two here. The first is that Hell Week comes after a two-week break. So if That's ever there were a point. time to yeah, if ever there were a time to have three matches in a week, it's after you've had the chance to sit for two weeks. And the other thing is. I was really predicting sort of a drubbing by both United and Spurs. QPR, I still think, even if we get our asses handed to us by United, um, I still think we can win QPR, and that's a nice little break. It means we don't go into that FA Cup semifinal riding a streak, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, a big losing streak, because it, it looked like we were going to have a few fixtures in a row that were really, really difficult. Yeah, with, absolutely. What, United, United, Spurs, and maybe Liverpool and City. Yeah, and... Then just, and, and that's a crap run. <laughs> if you and if you had to go in to that must win against QPR with four losses on the bounce and Morel's gonna be in the toilet, but Yeah, and if you have to go into the semifinal with two losses. Yeah. And and yeah, two, two I mean in all likelihood after seeing United against Spurs this week, we're probably gonna get murdered in that United match. You yeah, they they were playing their best football of the season. But I don't know, maybe the United or the international break screws them up. Yeah, or maybe the United that you see every fifth match shows up. Yeah. Which is the totally ineffectual United. The one that lost to Swansea. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we could get something out of it, but I do like the fact that this sort of breaks up what could potentially be a hellish stretch. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we were talking about the, the FA Cup a bit, and that semifinal still has not been given a date by the Football Association. Yeah, and, and as my I mean, old man gonna... said... It's, it's going to be the 18th or 19th, but... But yeah, the, the difference between a Saturday or a Sunday and what time it is is pretty huge, and it makes it difficult for fans to travel, difficult for fans to get accommodations. Uh, we're already selling tickets, but we don't have a date yet for them. Yeah, that, I mean, if you have to take off work, that's kind of annoying. Yeah, and if you didn't read it, uh, we tweeted about it. My old man said, wrote a really excellent post in which they called the FA and tried to get answers as to when we might know. Um, it was a really good post advocating for the fan, and uh, that's exactly the sort of thing that should be taken into account here. Um, as someone, I can't remember who it was, I think it was on Twitter in response to us, as someone pointed out, they know for a fact that it will be Arsenal against a lower league team. That's not a big draw. right? So put the Aston Villa game against whoever it is in the primetime slot. You know your options for the most part now. Plus Arsenal, are, their fans are already in London. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it easier for them to travel. Um, yeah, I think I think this should be settled quickly, and the FA is just dragging their heels. Yeah, well, it's it's going to be Arsenal against Reading, right? Because yeah. because Reading um, beat beat Bradford mm -hmm. and stormed the pitch. <laughs> Returning us to the dark ages of football, they had flares. Yeah, flares. Can you believe that? One of those flares might have been carrying a knife. <laughs> I just I was so pissed at the BBC about that because, of course, the Reading pitch invasion was played up as a, hey, look at how beautiful it is. Like, you assholes, two weeks ago, you just condemned this sort of thing. Yeah, but maybe, maybe looking at it from the other way, maybe they think Villa are too big of a club, so maybe if, if you want to take that in a good way. Yeah, but, I suppose. Uh, Giant wanking motion at the yeah, BBC. Yeah. What a bunch of um, assholes. But 
I guess uh, let's go back to looking at kind of the relegation picture picture and looking at some some of the fixtures Robert has your rooting interests for this week. Remember Leicester still bottom. QPR three points ahead of them, Burnley three points ahead of QPR, and then it's Sunderland, Villa, who are level with Hull, but we're six goals behind Hull. And then above Hull is Everton. I, th- I think Everton's basically safe, which is what you re- what you really wrote on Monday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Monday, if you didn't see it, I, I had my first real look at the relegation run-in. Um, as we get lower or, you know, towards the end of the season, I'll actually start playing with numbers. But right now, there are hundreds of thousands of possibilities, and so I wasn't messing with that. But just starting looking, to clear up a bit. A little bit, yeah, and starting to look at schedules and whatnot, and a few things are becoming apparent. Um, in terms of position right now and placement, it looks like Hull City are going to be fine, but their remaining schedule sucks. They've got Chelsea at Swansea, out south, at Southampton, Liverpool, at Crystal Palace, Arsenal, Burnley, and then they end with at Tottenham and Manchester United. Yeah, that's that is, brutal. That, that is terrible. That could be possibly zero points, you know, everything if everything goes wrong. Yeah, I, I can see from there them getting something out of Swansea, Crystal Palace, Burnley. Three out of their last nine, I can see them getting something. And other than that, I think they get nothing. Yeah, I mean, if if they can if they can snake a, even a draw at Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, or United, I think that's lucky. I mean, I guess they have Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, and United all at home. Yeah, not that I think that's going to matter all that. That's much. still a brutal run-in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Everton look pretty darn safe. Uh, the fact that they're still sort of in it, I don't think changes the fact that you can root for them against QPR this weekend. Yeah, QPR they're, they're are still are in the in the Europa League. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think maybe they could even win the Europa League, but I think they could absolutely. Which, and if you, if you're Everton and you're in that position, I think it's worth it to to go for the Europa League, like to try to win it. Like for Villa, maybe not, but since it now offers a Champions League spot, that's another way to kind of to get in. Yeah, absolutely. So this weekend, root for Everton against QPR, uh, Chelsea against Hull City, uh, Aston Villa, of course. Uh, Sunderland are visiting West Ham in a battle of teams that can't do anything. Yeah, West Ham have been miserable. They haven't won in the league since January. But I don't know. That's Sunderland, like... Yeah, exactly. The, the and we saw what happened to Sunderland. Um, they're not going to be instantly better. Um, although no. they did bring Adam Johnson back from a footballing perspective that improves them, from a morality perspective that makes them horrible ass wipes. Yeah, and they. I mean, they got Dick Advocat now in at at manager. So never manage in the Premier League. It will be interesting. Good manager and great CV, but really late in the season and. It's like like uh, with Lambert. If we didn't pull the trigger, it was now or never. And yeah. very fortunately, we did because otherwise, we could be in a position like Sunderland, where you just have about two months. Yeah, absolutely. We could have we could have spent last weekend saving Sunderland season instead yeah. of dooming it. Uh, Burnley, uh, you can go ahead and root for Southampton there. Uh, keep them below us. QPR, we already said root for Everton. Uh, and Leicester are traveling to Tottenham. I don't really care who you root for there. Spurs should crush Leicester. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And Leicester, time is really running out on Can them. 
Given the fixtures this weekend, there's a really good chance that Villa could go six points clear of the drop zone. Definitely, uh, but it's going to depend on the Swansea match, which I guess brings us to that. And Swansea, not sure if you watched them on Monday, but they really dominated Liverpool for the first hour. They should have had a couple goals in the first half. Uh, unlucky deflection. Defender tackled it into the shin of Henderson, and it looped over Fabianski, and that was the only goal. That was all Liverpool needed. Yeah, and that that first hour, Swansea looked kind of horrifying. Like, the idea of facing that Swansea team. Uh, and that, that was Swansea at home, and granted, but... Exactly, and, and, and we get them at Villa Park, and if... The fans keep coming out. I know it's not a derby, but if they keep coming out like they did against West Brom, I feel like Villa Park could become, you know, a fortress again because that place was so loud. Then I mean that's that's really what it needs to be because, I mean, winning winning on the road's difficult. Yeah, absolutely. This is the match where Villa need to get three points. I'm not sure it's a match where they should get three points, but I think this is the match where they really need all three. Uh, so far, since Swansea have been in the Premier League, they've lost just one against Aston Villa, three three wins and three draws for the Swans. So it's been yeah. a tough go, but... And they're, they're a good team. I, I kind of like Swansea. I like the way they play. I like the way they run their club. Um, but this is the... I throw that out the window. Villa need to win this. And, I mean, I guess uh, it's going to be... Tim Sherwood's chance to win three Premier League games in a row hasn't happened since Martin O'Neill did it in April of 2010. Yeah, uh, and, and I think he can. I'm not predicting that. I think he can win those three matches in a row. Um, I think you run out largely the same lineup that you did against Sunderland. Yeah, I, th- I think you go with exactly the same lineup, which is, again, back to that article that I've mentioned now like ten times. But that's that's what I said. Don't, don't mess with uh, the winning team there. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, they looked so good there that I think you have to play them again. Um, have Hutton on the bench to come in if you get that one goal lead, uh, just like you mentioned earlier. But I think there is a lot of potential in this match, and, and a win here would do a lot to make our lives much easier, especially given what everyone else is facing this weekend. Yeah, and uh, like, like you said earlier, it looks like Vlar might not be back, but the bench should be... A bit stronger than it was last last time out. Yeah, I would I would think so. Um, Grealish is going to be back, and yeah, with with Hutton back. Is Grealish back? Yeah, it was no. just just a one match. Oh yeah, it was a one match. Sorry, for some reason I was thinking two. But yeah, so he'll be back, which is good. Um, it, it'll be a better bench. I, I don't think we have to see RHM uh, again. Uh, no, probably not. Shame. It would be kind of neat to see him on the bench again. Yeah. But, uh, Kid looked like he was eleven. Yeah. <laughs> Just I've never seen someone so baby faced. Um, kid is gonna be ID'd until he's forty when he wants to buy a beer. <laughs> uh, but I I don't want to make a prediction. I the match has me a little bit nervous because this really is one we should win, and whenever that's the case, that gets me a little nervous. But the way Villa have been playing lately, I like them. I like watching this. I, yeah, I, th- I think Villa have a chance to win this. and um, I mean, it, it's, not, at, it's at home. I think if it was away, I think it'd be difficult and a point would be good. But yep. 
Yeah, um, I don't think the point's good here. I, th I think you need the win. Although, then again, given what's going to happen to everyone else, a point may actually, you know, bump us up a point. I don't see anyone else below us getting points this weekend. Yeah, t taking taking the points not the worst thing, and you know, it could be like the the January first match against Swansea, what two years ago, um, just Benteke in, in stoppage time when mm -hmm. Villa were they scored early, and then I think Swansea were kind of really controlling the match, but. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see how it goes. The point is not always the worst. Yeah, I'm getting nervous about talking about future matches now, because we've had a nice little run of not saying much about them and having good results. So I'm kind of tentative to talk about this. Yeah, um, I guess I guess looking at the stats, Swansea's last three away wins have all been by a one-nil scoreline. I could see something like that happening here. Although this this offense is recharged. I. I actually don't see them getting shut out at home for the rest yeah, of the Yeah, here's another one for you. Villa scored more goals in the last two Premier League matches, six, than they managed in the previous 13, five. <laughs> so, it, yeah, I mean, it really shows that the attack is, is recharged under Sherwood, which, thank God. Yeah. I Like I said, I don't see them getting shut out at home for the rest of the season. No, I... I I think, yeah, especially with, with the way they played in, in the Cup as well as in the league against West Brom at home, I think is, I think the crowd really is going to back them. And yeah. just, because it, just because it's a different environment than under Lambert. Yeah, exactly. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I will say that much. That is my prediction. I will probably enjoy this match. Yeah. Because it's all... not the boring-ass villa that we saw for so long. Exactly. It's, it's really a team that you want to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, yeah, remember we're still on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, and YouTube, of course, and we will have all the match coverage for you. Leave us a review and a comment on iTunes, please. We would really appreciate it. Yeah, maybe it'll make the ads go away. <laughs> but <laughs> That would be nice. I think, I think that's a Blog Talk Radio problem. But, um, yeah, remember match is going to be at 11 Eastern... What three local? Because still yeah. the still the daylight savings in America, but not in Europe yet. One more week of that, I guess. And we'll have all the match coverage for you at 7500holt.com. Remember, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. So, Robert, any final thoughts? None whatsoever. Just up the villa. Yeah, I think hope just let's just hope this win streak continues. But yeah. Uh, as always, for Robert Lintot, I've been Jack Grimsey for 7500toholt.com. Thanks for listening to the Holtcast.